Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. Kosha and I yesterday went for a walk in Central Park around the reservoir. Um, we watched the geese with their new babies in the reservoir. Uh, goslings, right? Baby geese, goslings. Um, so it's like two families, mom and pop, and one had their three little goslings behind them and another one had two little goslings behind them and the babies were like this big and you know, this week they're this big so to watch them um, growing is just so heartwarming um, we even saw a hawk uh, in a tree uh, screeching for his mate his, his mate I guess um, or her I'm not sure which one does the screeching anyway this beautiful beautiful hawk letting out these loud screeches. Um, not very often I see a hawk in New York City. So it was one of those idyllic afternoons, you know, there were um, families, like the groups, social distancing groups, but then I guess families and friends in their own little circles, picnicking. Um, there were joggers, some of them in masks, jogging around the reservoir. And uh, it seems like everybody was taking the day off from COVID and the chaos that we're, we're in right now. Just uh, in that kind of mm, sanctuary, that kind of little, that little piece of New York that not everybody gets to see very often, uh, Central Park. Such a beautiful, beautiful place to, to be. We were there for, it, it uh, takes about an hour to walk around the reservoir. It's a mile and a half um, around. And then we took a slow walk up Broadway uh, on our way home. And we witnessed what must have been a thousand, at least a thousand or more cyclists coming down Broadway on both sides of the median. Uh, shouting, chanting, Black Lives Matter. Um, it was phenomenal. Parents with their children on the sidewalk waving and cheering them on, and little kids with their fists raised, Black Lives Matter. Um, it was such a deep contrast to the tranquility of Central Park. Um, it was amazing. It was so, 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 so phenomenal. I'll use that word again. Um, it's uh, just an incredible expression uh, of the Dharma of New York. Peace and tranquility on one hand, and then the, the protests on the other. Just like holding both, you know, 
such such uh, different and yet expressions of the Dharma in New York. And standing on the corner of 98th Street, just really relishing and languishing and just really being totally enveloped in this that was unfolding before us. I mean, bicycles, you know, tandem, there was somebody on a tandem with their, with their partner on the back. I guess it was their partner. Uh, people with tattoos from head to toe. Uh, just, just all the colors of the rainbow. On the, uh, I mean, the black, brown, white, uh, Asian faces. It was just everybody expressing what needed to be expressed for them. And uh, so we were standing on the corner of 98th Street, knowing there, at once, once in a while, someone who's leading certain groups, I guess, would would stop the the guys on their bikes for to allow people to cross. But it, you know, it was taking good ten minutes before each of these intervals happened. We're on the corner of 98, as I said, and there's a man, like we're here, so difficult on the screen. So we're here standing and then there's a guy in his black SU, shiny SUV on the corner of 98th and Broadway, shouting out of his window, get the fuck out of the way, assholes. We need to cross the street. And I wanted to say, you know what? It's because of people like you that these assholes are here screaming in your ears justice justice for victims of police brutality because people like you don't hear that don't see that and not listening to what's going on you just want to get across broadway in your car in your big shiny black suv so insane just makes me so angry yeah that was a very strange afternoon and all the time the sun was shining, so it was really kind of beautiful. You know, the sun, I think I talked about this last week or before, maybe not, but the sun shining down on both the anger and the tranquility. The sun has no uh, bias, just shining down all over New York City. Everyone, no matter what they're feeling or what they're thinking, under the sun. You know? Some folks really enjoying the rays lapping it up and others totally oblivious to what mother nature is giving us i want to reflect a little bit on yesterday's teaching um, i've condensed this down a little bit from the from the full text um, well to emphasize my thoughts around not that my thoughts really matter but this is what was thinking about. Zen Master Fayan said, when Yanqi became abbot of the monastery buildings, the monastery buildings were old and dilapidated. It was deep winter and all the buildings were badly in need of repair. The monks hall was in particular disrepair to the point where snow and hail would pile up in the sitting platforms and there was hardly any place to settle down. It was very hard to do zazen there. The, the elders of the monastery were so concerned that they made a request to Yanqi to have the buildings repaired. Yanqi said, 
Sages in the past sat under trees and did walking meditation on bare ground. These are excellent examples of the profound teaching of practicing emptiness. You know? So, shut up. And from today's teaching, even though the monks' hall was still in disrepair, monks in cloud robes and mist sleeves from the four seas and five lakes of China wanted to participate in Yankee's assembly. So here we are, we have Yankee not interested in the ornate cross beams of the temple roof and the fancy brocades on the altars. He was solid, solidly in his practice. Plain, simple, no frills. And yet these monks from all across China in their big fancy robes and you know, their, their, um, their ideas possibly of what the Dharma is, came to sit with Yanki, wanted to be in this authentic temple, in this man's presence, right? This is what they came to do. So there's these gaping holes in the roof. Who cares? Shut up and sit doesn't matter. So it's snowing, so what? Is the practice important to you? Or do you just wanna sit on your butt and daydream? This is what he's saying. What's more important? Your practice or your big soft cushion? Your ass sitting on some big soft brocade cushion? Or do you just wanna sit zazen? It's not about always having the perfect conditions. That shouldn't stop you from doing the work to realize yourself. Do you want to do that which is sometimes real hardcore? Which is what these priests in their fancy robes wanted, they are willing to give all that up to come and sit with this incredible teacher. This is a story from 18th century Japan. 18th century Japan. It's titled Satsujo Weeps. This is uh, from a collection of stories uh, from the book, Hidden Lamp, The Hidden Lamp. It's stories over 2,500 years of uh, women, uh, some teachers, some just lay women, um, not to be confused with another book that's out right now. Uh, it is, it'll come to me at some point during this talk. Uh, the first, first Zen women, no, the first, Gosh, it's gone straight from my head. This is the thing with being locked up in your apartment for a hundred and something days. Everything just disappears. <laughs> it's like, um, wow. Uh, the first free women. Thank you, Sam, for the chat box. Thank you. 
the first free women. So not to be confused with that book and not to be as confused as uh, Chodo with these titles. <laughs> anyway, Satsujo. Satsujo was a student of Hakuin, the sixth patriarch. She had a really deep, a very deep understanding of the Dharma. And Hakuin great, um, greatly appreciated her. She was an incredible student of his. And oftentimes they would have these kind of like Dharma combats. And uh, very often she would knock him on his ass. She never became a nun, but uh, was deeply, deeply uh, into her practice. When Satsu, Satsujo was an old woman, her granddaughter died. And as she grieved and mourned, an old man from the neighborhood came to her and admonished her. Why are you wailing so much? If people hear this, they'll say, that old lady who was the great student of Hakuen and is enlightened, supposedly, and now she's mourning and crying and screaming for her granddaughter so much. That's what they'll be saying. You know what? You ought to lighten up a little bit. Satsujo glared at him and said, you fool, what do you know? My tears and weeping are better for my granddaughter than the, all the incense and the flowers and lamps in the, in the temple. My tears are much more important than the incense and the flowers and the lamps in the temple. Get out of here. That the old man left without a word. Satsujo didn't need the ceremonies, the incense, and all the bells and whistles. She needed to be with the heartache she was enduring. Her practice was in that moment to be fully present to her grief. That's what was needed in that moment for Satsujo. In that moment, she and Yang Qi were sitting together, both solid, solidly in their practice, in the ungilded Dharma. He and his straightforward solidness, no frills, no else, nothing else, and she in her grief, in her practice. Again, you could say no frills, no nothing, just her grief. Imagine him sitting on his platform, the wind howling around him, the rain coming down, and he's just sitting there. Sitting size and bolt upright. And she's sitting there with tears streaming down her cheeks. Centuries apart, sitting together. When I first read the story of Yang Qi, I thought, wow, talk about cold. Not only actually living and teaching in a dilapidated temple, but also like this man with no feelings of empathy for the elders, for the new monks coming in. Just like he himself stuck in his own way of 
being. Wow. Yeah. And then I read this poem that he wrote. When I began living here in this building with crumbling walls, all the platforms were covered by jewels of snow. Scrunching my shoulders up to my neck, I exhaled into the darkness, reflecting on the ancient one abiding under a tree. Reflecting on Shakyamuni Buddha just sitting under that tree, not moving. not moving to get food or water or run away from Mara, just sitting in the elements. When I began living here in this building with crumbling walls, all the platforms were covered by jewels of snow. He's not sitting in the misery of getting wet by the falling snow. He's seeing these snowflakes as jewels scrunching my shoulders up to my neck. I exhaled into darkness. <sighs> Reflecting on the ancient one, sitting, abiding under a tree. How's that for practice? How's that for reflecting? I love flicking through these pages and seeing everyone's faces. So amazing, so great. And there are 84 of you. That's pretty good. Some of you I haven't seen for a while. Hi, hi everybody I haven't seen for a while. Don't you love when I digress? Basically, it's just an excuse to think about what I'm gonna say next, got totally lost. You know what? This too is the Dharma, right? Getting lost in one's self. Actually, I'm trying to avoid the next piece of the talk, but here it comes. <laughs> On Tuesday of last week, one of our cats, Obi, the big guy, the 28 pounder, I had to go to the vet. He hadn't been eating for a few days. And uh, we figured, you know, it's probably having trouble with his gums or his teeth, which is quite uh, usual in cats. You know, when they're, when they're having difficulty eating, it's because there's something uh, going on in the mouth. You know, uh, he was his usual perky, kind of grumpy, you know, get the shit away from himself, you know. Um, you know, apart from just not having any appetite, seemed really okay. So uh, Tuesday morning, I put him in his carrier, drop him off at the vet and said, you know, see you soon, baby boo. Boo boo, I call him, we call him boo boo. See you soon, baby. And uh, which we've done so often, all the, so often with both, with both cats, Obi and boy chick. You know, just drop off, see you later. Uh, you know, expecting the call a couple of hours later, he's ready to go, this is what we did. And uh, about an hour after dropping him off, Koshin got the call that um, 
he was in distress and we should come to the office as soon as possible. So while they were examining him, examining him, they found a huge tumor in his stomach, which is actually what was uh, causing him to not eat. And so while they were examining, they turned him on his back and he went into uh, distress, cardiac distress, with the, the tumor pushing. And uh, so we, of course, raised up there and it was so, so weird, you know, with this whole COVID thing going on. Um, I get to the door, I'm waiting for kosher. I get to the door and um, one of the technicians came out and said, oh, the doctor will be out in a moment to talk to you about what's happening with Ovi. And I said, are you kidding me? I'm coming in. And they said, no, 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 you can't because of COVID regulations. So I said, so you think you're going to euthanize our cat while we're standing on the sidewalk? You've got to be crazy. You're going to be out of your mind. So after much getting bigger and bigger and bigger in the chest and louder, uh, they finally let us into the office. And uh, he was sedated and we were able to hold him while they gave him you know, the final injection. So there we were, Koshin, myself, and Satsujo wailing. Inconsolable in our grief. Seems I'm always crying in my Dharma talks lately. I have to find something fun to talk about. Um, just being totally in that moment with the now lifeless body of Obi and two of us in this room. Satsujo, also in the room. This was what was needed in this moment. This grief, this wailing. It wasn't the time for the necessary paperwork to be completed, to hand over the credit card. This was the time for our grief. I mean, can you imagine asking for your credit card? So later, I think a couple of days later, someone actually said, well, you know, you guys see death a lot. You must have been able to be really calm and present for him. <laughs> no, we weren't. <laughs> we were in what was true for us in that moment not some idea of how it should look or how we should be. Can you imagine?
these two Zen teachers saying goodbye to their beloved, most important, one of the most important teachers in their life. This 28 pounds of unconditional love suddenly, boom, gone. Dropping him off to get his teeth cleaned and then chanting over his dead body an hour later. And so there it is, reality in all its many forms, anger, determination, sorrow, joy, the deep, sincere, unguided Dharma of young Ki, the peace and tranquility of Central Park and the protests all around the world right now, screaming for justice. The wailing of two Zen teachers, the loss of their beloved teacher. Obi. May he realize the Buddha way. I'd like to end with a poem. Grief will come to you. Grip and cling all you want. It makes no difference. Catastrophe, it's just waiting to happen. Loss, you can be certain of it. Flow and swirl of the world carried along as if by a dark current. All you can do is keep swimming. All you can do is keep singing. Thank you.